We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with us right here at WCCL Radio. I am your host today, Gerald. Steel. I call it Steel Talking. And it's all about you. It's all about what's happening in the news. Sometimes we just talk about a little bit of everything. Well, my producers do a great job. And Jonathan Lowe and Chris Tubbs, you can call them Chris Tubbs and Jonathan Lowe. Bottom line is that they do a great job. And I'm so honored to have them as my producers. How are you, Jonathan? Uh, hey, just uh, <laughs> hanging in. Uh, try, getting over a little something that I caught at the end of the week. So just... Uh, no fun. Re- recovering a bit. You know, I've been talking to several of my friends and acquaintances, and they were saying the same thing. Oh, my gosh, I haven't been feeling well, but it's not COVID, you know. I, I'm not, it's not COVID. I did so, test. I did test yeah. negative. So, mm-hmm. How many times did you test yourself? I, I tested myself once. I didn't get out to any of the sites, but I, had, I bought a couple of home tests that I uh, have used in the past, and yeah. so I used one of those and uh, came up negative. You know, I find it really interesting that they have changed up some of the boxes that um, hold and carry those um, the, the test to see if you have it. And I got confused after COVID uh, in 2020. Then in 2021, I'd say maybe May or June or July, all of a sudden these new boxes started coming out. And I kept thinking, really? <laughs> Why? Don't mix us up. You know, is something changed? Is it, is it a different vaccine? Uh, I mean, a, a different way of um, testing yourself to see if you have it. So um, I asked a few friends, do you guys still have some of those boxes that, you know, you were used to seeing the box, the pictures on it or the whatever color it was? And people are like, well, it didn't annoy me. As long as I can get the test, I'm fine. So then I finally yeah. calmed down. And it's it's one of those things where you have a lot of different manufacturers trying to provide these tests and we were trying to figure out what the best way to test was what the most accurate way to test was so for me it's not necessarily oh there's new boxes i'm getting confused by it it's Mm -hmm. oh there's new boxes there's new ways to test it out is there a better way than what we had before is there a more efficient way is there a different way where you're not having to do a nasal swab can you do it with, um, you know, I don't think they've come up with like a prick, a finger prick type thing like you would do like for blood sugar, but mm-hmm. stuff like that. There's just different things that are being developed. And so with something so if, if this was something that had been changed for tetanus or rubella or whooping cough or something like that, where we've known about it for a long time, I'd long, have more concern time about something that's 
really been about two and a half years in our conscious. Right. Right. And I get that. Um, some people have been very uncomfortable with the idea of doing the tests uh, because, of course, there have been posit- uh, negative positives that have been happening with some of them. Um, but I just keep testing myself until I say, okay, I've had three negative ones, then I'm good. You know, that's how I think of it. It's, I don't know what else to do because they say just keep trying to make sure because of those negative positive or positive negative test results. And so they encourage us to do that. These have become a little more expensive. They're now almost $25 at Walgreens and some of the other um, pharmacies. And I keep saying to myself, you know, just pick up some when you need some. And I was so grateful that President Biden sent like two packets of uh, four tests in each. So it gave Americans eight uh, the ability to have eight tests in their home. And I just thought that was fantastic. Were you able to get those? I did not at the time. At the time, I was not. Uh, part part of it was I wasn't feeling bad at the time. I hadn't really come down with anything for a little while. Uh, the other part of it was I don't the, – the shelf life. I don't know how long these things are truly meant to last – and I understand. Well, they have dates on them when they expire. Yeah, I know. And, them, and it's it's kind of like it's it's kind of a, a you're you're stuck between two worlds. Yeah, you want to be stocked up for whenever you need it, but if you don't have it for a while, if if a year or two passes, then then the tests won't they be wasted? Because won't the the sell by date, so to speak, have passed? So. It's kind of weird in that it's not like you're going out to get food and you're saying, oh, this food is in here, you know, for less than a week because I'm going to eat it. So have we reached herd immunity? Do you know? I haven't heard. No pun intended. I'm sorry for the listening audience out there. I haven't heard if we've reached herd immunity. (laughs) I still have my sense of humor as bad as that may be. This hasn't affected my brain that much. (laughs) Well, you know, your brain might have been infected earlier. So, you know, maybe you've gotten better. (laughs) Wow. That was pretty good, Jonathan. That That was pretty good. (laughs) That is, wow. Yeah, that might be something Michael would say. By the way, the Mom and Michael Hour is happening tonight. Michael is joining us, and I'm so excited about that. I'm just going to be Michael and Jonathan. There you go. I'm just going to lay back and and let y'all go at it and just try to break when necessary. Uh uh, uh uh. See, no, no, no. Unless Michael says something that piques your interest, and then you jump right in. Nope. I'm going to resist temptation tonight. I'm no, going to resist. Why? Why? Just going to, I'm just going to chill out, <laughs> get some of the fake popcorn I have here, and, and relax and enjoy the show. What does fake popcorn taste like? That's a good, that's a good question. I don't know. You really cotton, don't have fake popcorn, right? Cotton candy? I don't know. No, You're I, kidding about this, right? Yeah, I don't, have, I don't have popcorn here. No, I don't have popcorn here. That's why I said fake popcorn, because I don't have any real popcorn in front of me. Oh, it's a lie. Got it. Okay. Sorry. I didn't understand. It's an exaggeration. <laughs> it's not a lie. Yeah, it's an no, embe- in my church, it would have been a, it's a lie. It's an embellishment. <laughs> right. Hey, did you go to church today? No, no. 
You remember how I used to ask you that question like every other Sunday? You did, yes. I did, and I finally stopped. Why did I stop? I don't Let know. Think. I think Jonathan said, Charlie, you don't have to ask me that anymore. No, I'm not going to church. <laughs> That's probably, that probably sounds accurate. But here's the deal. You could actually go online and be involved in whatever I, faith you are. I am aware of that. Um, or, or, I know. Non, I, you could be an atheist, you know. I, uh, I can't imagine that. But I yeah. think both of my parents actually do the online church thing right now. Yeah. Where they, well, they're, they'll um, – on Sundays they may go or they may not go, but they'll, they'll watch a sermon um, mm-hmm. most Sundays as far as I can remember. Right. And and they'll watch it online. It it has I can imagine, especially since March of twenty twenty, that has become a pretty popular thing. A very popular thing. My mother has been really it's been a blessing for this family because our mother is not able to always go to church, but lately she's gone three times in the last month. And that's extraordinary. no, I'm sorry, two times in the in the last month. And that's extraordinary for mom, uh, with some of her health challenges. So you know, uh, we surprised my brother Fred. He's the music director at the church he goes to. And mom said, let's go surprise him. And my goodness, it was so wonderful. We were so happy to see him there. So, yeah, it's pretty special when you can not just watch on online, but to actually get in the car or walk close to a church that's near you and actually participate. Even if you're silent, you're still participating. Usually, yeah, because you're actively listening and taking in the sermon. So, so you're hopefully you. <laughs> your word, not mine. <laughs> no, seriously. I, no, I, are, I was thinking. Of, I was thinking of adding it, but I'm yeah. not gonna. I, I'm not gonna smite uh, the Lord as much as I've already smite smite the Lord right now. Did so, you say I'm not gonna s- what? Smite. You said the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. More than I've sm- Let more there I've be fake the popcorn. Right now, I don't so. think it should shower down on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have to take a break, so I'm going to shut up, and uh, Jonathan will do his thing. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is now. 7.20 7.20 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is be here with you on a Sunday night. And I do hope that you're having as much fun as Jonathan and I are having often. Now, sometimes we have to talk about uh, a few things that are quite sad. We will be talking tonight about September 11th. Of course, the anniversary just hit. And it is, you know, you realize um, that right now, today, um, I'm sure some of you got up 
ready to go to church, thinking about where you were, what you did, how you found out about September 11th. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. We do hope that you will stick and stay with us and uh, call in if you want or text us here at WCCL. We love it when you do so. So thank you so much for listening and always supporting us here at CCO. Uh, this is the 21st anniversary of September 11th. Jonathan, it doesn't even feel like it's 21 years. I was very shocked to read that. It's um, it's weird because now yes. I've basically lived half and half, half of my life before September 11th and half, almost half of my life after because I was 21 when that happened. I was a, a couple months shy of turning 22, but I was 21 when that happened. That's so amazing. by this time next year, I'll have lived more of my life in a post-September 11th world than a pre I'll never forget, um, I was taking Michael to the private school he was going to, and I'll never forget that, you know, on our way, you know, we start seeing interesting flights in the air and that sort of thing, but we didn't say much about it to each other. And we get to the school, and it's really peaceful and quiet. We're running late. Michael was always running late. <laughs> and we go inside the building, and I'm, I'm sorry, I should have started before, because I'm the one that saw it on television before we got in the car. And I said, come on, Michael, I'm going to get you to the school, because it was a military school, right? I said, we're going to get you to the school. And we go in, and I go straight into the office, and I say, okay, everybody knows about what happened in New York, that we've been attacked. And they all went, what? No one in the school that I talked to knew about it. And all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, they canceled school, that people had to call, the buses were called in, uh, parents were called and contacted, um, and it just was unbelievable. Michael and I were so silent in the car when we were going home. Coming in, we were laughing and talking. I was trying to keep him, you know, up-tempo. He's going to school, and they're going to have to talk about this. But, man, when we left there, it was just silent in the car. It really was. So... Um, I will never forget that silence, and I will never forget um, how thankful I was that we remained safe uh, here in Minnesota. But we all know that many people, including Minnesotans, have had adverse effects from it all, and people are still talking about it. I have to tell you, though, Jonathan, I'm not comfortable talking about it all the time, like every year. I'm not comfortable, and I don't know why. What do you think? Um... I don't I I haven't gotten to a point where I'm not comfortable talking about it. It it is an event that that happened in this nation's history just like December 4th or I'm sorry December 7th 1941 yeah, yeah. and Pearl Harbor, Harbor and just like um uh you could talk about the Civil War in Gettysburg. You could talk uh, especially Gettysburg which was Basically, the bloodiest battle of the mm -hmm. of the Civil War. You could talk about the day that uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. You could talk about the day that Martin Luther King daylight. Jr. was assassinated, or mm -hmm. Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated, or Malcolm X was assassinated. That's right. Or Abraham Lincoln. Um, right. It is a date in time, and I happen to be alive during that another one uh that that people will forget i i was really young when it happened but i remember it on that day was the day the challenger exploded in 1986 oh my goodness that yeah it's terrifying it, to see the pictures it, it's hurtful to talk about painful events i think overall in, in in a in a in a 
whole sense, more of us want to talk about the positives in life than the negatives in life. We don't want we 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 focus on the negatives, but I think deep down we really want to keep the positives forefront. Right. I think that's just any what anybody wants to do. But it's it's something that we have to do most of the time. Well, I tell you, you know, the compassion that came out of Americans from that event on September 11th was remarkable. Do you remember the Congress standing on the steps singing God Bless America? I forgot right? about that, actually. Yeah. I did. I mean, they changed uh, all of the – because this was um, – I'm trying to remember when George W. Bush and uh, – let me think, because that was in – what year was that? September 11th happened 2001. years ago. 2001. So, yes, the 2000 election for that, president. Yeah, that had already had, happened. That, but, uh, yeah, but I'm saying that we were not together. We were so divided. Correct. Yeah. Right? It, had been less and, than a year, it had been less than ten, uh, eight months since that happened because that whole process of the hanging chads and the recount in Florida mm-hmm, mm-hmm. went over the new year and into January. And so I don't think we were eight months past that yet. Yeah, well, I remember that we came together that day, uh, and I had never seen us come together that day after having such a, you know, a difficult time with the election. It was um, so many people were divided on it. So it, it, it was put, it was it was remarkable to me to watch it all happen. It put a lot of petty stuff behind us, at least for a little while. Um, not for long. It, not for long, but mm-hmm. but at least. What through the rest of that day and I'd say into the next day it put it put a lot of petty stuff behind us because I would say partially due to fear and partially due to to um somber recognition we understood that life was really really fleeting and we didn't know when it was when it was going to come when it was going to end and so I think a lot of people were were awakened by that fact of the shock of it all um showing us how how fragile life was how fragile we are not just life but how fragile we are yeah, every if, one of us individually if we got no life then we ain't we i mean no 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 but what i'm saying is um if we all thought of each other as being fragile we take better care of each other I think that's I think that's a a, a good a, a well placed statement a good statement I think that's something that we should try to live by. And yeah, we should try, trying to trying to make us live by. It. Yeah, it's not working out. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. My first guest tonight is Sue Aber. I'm going to get it right. I know her. I know I could get it right, Sue. Abderholden, she's the executive director at NAMI Minnesota. Well, who is NAMI Minnesota? Well, of course, we know that they are the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And we've talked with her before, and I'm excited to have her join us tonight. And she joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker um, hotline. It is so great to have you back, Sue. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. So much going on, so little time, it seems, to heal from it all. And I'm wondering how you're doing. Um, well, I'll be honest, you know, it's been, it's been a tough um, year um, for me and, of course, for many people as well. Um, people might not know I, I lost my husband a little over a year ago. And so, 
you know, I think I can really um, understand what people have gone through, um, especially during the pandemic with so many lives lost. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry to hear of your loss, and I, uh, I've i been through some loss myself, and it's just it's hard to, to shake, but I know that what you do at NAMI is an incredibly important job, and I'm grateful that you're still there. And, of course, last okay. month, uh, tragedy struck at the uh, Shields located inside Eden Prairie Center. I'm sure you know about that. And according yeah. to police reports, a young man went into the sporting goods store, asked to see a handgun, then took off. He allegedly loaded his own ammunition into the gun and shot himself in an apparent suicide. When I heard this story, my heart broke. And I'm just curious to know, when you heard this this story, did you feel as though NAMI wasn't present enough or maybe people didn't turn to you fast enough because you knew that there must have been some type of mental illness that was happening in this man's heart and head? Yes, I mean, and my heart just goes out to the family and, and for people who had to respond to his death as well. I mean, that's never easy. And we do know that, you know, either someone is, you know, has a mental illness, there's maybe depression, or there's some crisis that occurred, you know, an argument, a breakup, you know, a divorce. Um, you know, at some point, we know sexual or physical abuse can play a role. Um, someone's a little bit more vulnerable at this point. And so I was very saddened to hear this, absolutely. It seems as though we just don't uh, pay attention enough, um, even with... Um your organization, is it almost feels like a lot of people think, okay, there are organizations that can handle this sort of thing. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, and that, to me, is sad because I think we all learn. We've been hearing about guns, 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 you know, for years now. And it's so frustrating because nothing seems to be getting done. Um, and I'm just curious to know, how, do, how does NAMI handle a situation like this? How do you talk about oh. it? Well, what we want people to know is that suicide is preventable. And and certainly we can look for those warning signs, right? You know, changes in, in habits and, and things like that. But the other thing is we also need to look at how can we restrict access to the means that people use to take their own life. And what we know about suicide, um, especially, frankly, when guns are used, is that there there's an impulsivity that's there. And that often, you know, people are thinking about suicide and then they decide to take their own life. And one of the studies actually showed that um, 24% of the people said that it was less than five minutes between when they thought about taking their own life and when they attempted it. Mm -hmm. And so if we think about how can we, you know, prevent those few minutes, right, what can we do to make it harder? And so we certainly talk about gun locks, right, that makes it much harder certainly separating the ammunition from the guns. Um, the, um, oh, sorry, I don't know who is calling me in my home phone. Oh, <laughs> it never rings. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the marketers are really heavy tonight. No, no, no. Um, Some but, friend of yours is calling going, you sound great. <laughs> so, that, that could be it. Well, <laughs> well, and, you know, actually the Veterans um, Hospital also had this, really brilliant idea. It was called freeze the keys. And so what you would do is you would take the keys to your gun locks, right, your cabinet, and you would put them in this little container and you would fill the container with water and put it in your freezer. 
Now, certainly, you know, if you're hunting the next day, you take it out so that, you know, it can defrost and you can use your keys. But if in a moment of despair, it's going to take a little while. You can't put it in the microwave, right, because it's metal, and it's going to take a little while to actually defrost it. So it really is, you know, kind of a way, again, we call it means restriction education. Um, What was interesting is that in New Hampshire, they actually did a whole project on this. And it was called the um, gun shops. And they worked with, you know, gun owners and gun shops and target, you know, places, all those kinds of things to come together to really educate people about the warning signs of suicide, when someone might be vulnerable, and what you can do to keep access to those lethal means, um, you know, very restricted. So many Americans have more than one gun, that's for sure. Um, and I'm I'm terrified at the number of guns that we have here in our country. Now, according to the Educational Fund to Stop Gun Violence, three out of every five gun deaths is ruled a suicide. That is just tragic to hear. I, I'm... I'm moved to tears um, over that when I read it earlier. So I'm wondering what efforts are being made to bring those numbers down. So it's interesting in Minnesota, actually the number is higher. Um, And so the preliminary data that they were looking at is that 70 to 80% of firearm deaths in Minnesota are actually due to suicide. And, And so what we're seeing is like in Minnesota, the Department of Public Safety, they're using some of the federal funds to actually give out gun locks. They had 10,000 of them that I think they distributed all of them at the state fair. Um, and we're going to be partnering with them to talk about, there's, a, there's an actual class um, uh, called Calm, and it's about means restriction education. And so we want to make sure that, you know, if someone shows up in an emergency room and perhaps they've attempted or they're feeling suicidal, right, that we educate people um, actually about um, restricting access to lethal means. Hmm. It is just, I don't know, it feels like we're not moving any closer to uh, a way to stop it all. I don't know if it's the laws that need to be changed, um, but there are so many guns. And I, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't wasn't it okay to bring a gun as long as it was um, obvious as long as it you could the people could see it and check it when they came through the gate. Am I wrong with that? Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure about that one, um, to be honest. But um, you know, we actually have quite a few um, laws in Minnesota. Um, you know that re- that restricts access to guns. You know, so if someone's been involved and in, has a felony a domestic violence misdemeanor, if they've been committed, you know, for a mental illness, you can't own a gun. Now, some states have done what they call red flag laws. Um, When we look at, you know, kind of nationwide about access to guns, Minnesota's rate in terms of gun death rates are actually pretty low compared to some other states. Ours is 6.0. Idaho is 15.1. That's remarkable. Of course, you know, the the murders that have been happening in our state has just escalated. Um, And that's frustrating. So I'm just curious to know, what can you tell us tonight? Tell our listeners that would calm folks down because they know that these things are happening. We're reading the articles when it happens or we're listening to the radio. And some people 
cocoon in their homes where they feel safe. Uh, they will not be the ones, if they have guns, they won't be the ones, if they're terrified, um, they're not going to be the ones to f- to freeze a gun because they're worried that if they need it in the middle of the night, they won't be able to use it. Right, right. Um, you know, again, though, it should be really locked up. You know, you, I know this is hard, this is hard but um, we want to make sure that no one, again, at a, at a time of distress, takes that gun and takes their own life. And, you know, I think when we look at the statistics and things like that, um, you know, homicides are actually, you know, pretty low um, compared to um, suicide deaths. And the homicide rate has actually, um, while it seems like it's up, it's really down from um, like 1974. And Mm -hmm. so I think we just have to think about, are there some things that we can do, though, to really keep people safe? What we know is when we look at, you know, who, you know, who's dying by suicide, it's prevalent in rural areas, men, um, American Indians, and Alaska Natives. Um, but what we're also seeing in the last couple of years is that younger people, it's increasing, people of color, um, actually, and again, continuing to increase in rural areas where there tends to be more guns. Mm. That's that's remarkable. I know in your mission, it talks about, um, you talk about through education, support, and advocacy, you strive to affect positive changes in the mental health system and increase the public and professional understanding of mental illness uh, illnesses. And I am always surprised at how little we know about mental illnesses, unless you have someone in your family and you've been well-educated on how or what to look for, that sort of thing. But so many of us really don't know how difficult the work is that you do, especially when it comes to suicide. And we know here in the great state of Minnesota, many people carry guns uh, and many people are afraid not to even not to go without those guns on a daily you know, <laughs> every day. So yeah. it, it really, I, I love that you are, are trying to do this through education, support, and advocacy. Is it working? You know, I, I do think it is. One of the things we've seen, frankly, during the pandemic is that people are much more aware of anxiety and depression because most people experienced it, right? Even if it mm-hmm. was just for a week or two during the pandemic. And we know that the actual rates have increased significantly. We're seeing employers for really the first time saying, what can we do to support the mental health of our employees? Um, Even looking at things like their health plans to make sure that they have easy access to the mental health treatment that people need and deserve. So there's more conversation, honestly. I mean, been with NAMI, it'll be 21 years next month. And the level of conversation and I think awareness is higher than ever. And I think that's a good thing. We need to talk about it. We can't just be quiet about it. Well, I've learned my lesson. Um, I have, you know, I used to get on stage and perform and I would always pick out some guy in the audience close up and I'd say, you know, you want to come up and dance with me or you want to come up and sing with me and it would be just a funny thing to do. But I've learned that there are people Mm -hmm. that may be in the audience who may have some of these struggles. And if you pick that particular person, then you better be careful because you need to be educated to know exactly what to say or what to do. That I learned. Mm-hmm. I, I think you, you raise a really good point. You know, a lot of us have taken first aid or CPR, and we need to do the same thing around mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, there's a class that's 90 minutes called QPR. It's evidence-based, question, persuade, and refer. 
we offer it online for free, um, you know, virtually at least once a month. And of course, this is Suicide Prevention Month, so it's a good time for people to, you know, kind of access that kind of training. But we all need to know what to say and what to do. What to say and what to do. Do you offer classes? Yes, for free. Um, Some in person, but a lot virtually, um, especially, you know, because of the pandemic. And we also offer support groups led by peers. So there are ones for people who live with a mental illness that are led by people with mental illness, ones Mm -hmm. for family members that are um, run by family members. And, you know, these can be tough situations. So talking to people who've been there, done that, right, can be really, really helpful. So have you you reached out to, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay. So do you ever reach out to theaters and clubs in town to to maybe see if you can, you know, get them to know how to um, find someone in the audience to know what it is that is happening and be educated on it so that they could have the the right reaction to it? Uh, There are so many of us on the stage in this great state of ours, um, and I worry that now that I understand how this works, I worry about enough of us, just just the artists alone, enough of us mm-hmm. knowing what to do if an incident happens in the audience. I, I suggest I training, it, and I'm yeah. just saying you can charge me, yeah. train me. <laughs> Seriously, you know, we're happy to come. We're happy to come out and do the trainings for free. Um, you know, when we do talk about you know kind of mental health in the workplace or, or mental health, we can do it mental health in the theater. So that people kind of understand, you know, what those things are. But again, we've had, you know, we've had um, Target stores have us come out to talk about, you know, how to help their guests who might be struggling um, or having a mental health crisis. So these are things that that we can do. And again, if we know what to do, we know how to de-escalate the situation. We know how to help someone. Um, that's what we need to do. You know, if we restrict access to lethal means, you know, if someone attempts once the chances of them attempting again is very little. Nine out of 10 will not attempt again. And so if we save this life today, we may have saved them for the rest of their life. Oh my goodness. I am so happy that you came on tonight, Sue. Sue Abderholden, Executive Director of NAMI Minnesota. If you don't know who they are, uh, please send them to your website. What is it? Which is uh, NAMIMNforminnesota.org. That's N-A-M-I-M-N dot org. It's been a pleasure, Sue. You take care of yourself. Oh, thanks so much for having me on again. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Our next guest will be at 810, and I hope you'll stick and stay with us. We'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Steel Talk, and as we wrap up this hour, I have to tell you, it's quite remarkable uh, what we are going to talk about. Coming on at um, 810, my guest, first guest in the 8 o'clock hour will be um, Anya McMurray, President COO, which is Chief Operating Officer, if you didn't know. Um, and it's called Welcome Us. And we, uh, I'm just interested in finding out how they are doing resettling here, right here in this great country. And I am amazed at um, them getting on the planes and, and just coming here. And I'm just hoping that they are doing well. We're going to find out more when we talk to Anya McMurray, and we hope that you will stick and stay with us. Jonathan, it is quite remarkable. Uh, we have so many people that have settled here from other countries around the world, um, and we don't really think about it. We don't think about how many there are that are here, how many immigrants have come, how many families, you know, how many have gone back to get family to bring them back in. It's just been remarkable. Yet we hear so much about one 
country. One country. And it's always Mexico. Oh, they're walking across the border. I mean, come on, we have so many thousands and thousands, if not millions and millions that are here from other countries for several reasons. And I'm just, um, I'm looking forward to talking with our guest, Anya, um, just to hear about how well the Afghans are doing here now. So that's going to come up soon. Um, I am very interested in also finding out um, how is it that uh, people will um, finally say, I want to welcome you. Um, there are those who say it. Many of us say it. I welcome you here. But then there are those who don't. They see them as enemies or they don't know enough about them. And that's one of the reasons I think we have a real challenge when people do not travel. Some people don't even travel across the Mississippi River from St. Paul to meet and greet Minneapolis, right? I, I don't understand it. Um, and they have that opportunity. We have the opportunity to go to St. Paul in the mornings uh, during the week. If I am leaving to go and visit my grand, my grandchildren or to help watch them while my daughter and son-in-law are working, on that trip in the morning, you know, during rush hour traffic, there is so much more traffic going um, to from St. Paul to Minneapolis than there is from Minneapolis to St. Paul. Um, and I know that it changes up at the end of the day, and all of a sudden it's a whole lot of people, more people going to St. Paul and uh, less coming to Minneapolis. I, I, I don't know how that works either because to me it looks like it's the trips from that, that really go into Minneapolis that is quite remarkable to see. So here we go. Of course, we have to talk about this because we may have more coming into our country as the years come. So try to accept it. It's worth it. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.